Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4019 of The Bugle, the world-exclusive podcast available exclusively in the world with me, Andy Zaltzman, here in London, the capital of Brex Britannia, a city where getting on the property ladder is now so expensive that this week an actual ladder left leaning against a wall in Kensington by a window cleaner sold for £1.2 million and now has six young media professionals living on it. Uh, they get three rungs each, uh, I think. And uh, joining me... From New York City, from uh, Manhattan Island, surely the island that looks most like a leg of Serrano ham from space. It is the one and only Wyatt Sanak. Thanks for having me back on the buggle. <laughs> it's great, great to have you back. How how have you been? How's uh, um, how, how's how's America? You know, we're maintaining. It seems as though we have now. I'm going to say accepted the Trump presidency. Right. People have now turned so far. Their vitriol just turned into something where now it's just turned into acceptance. Right. Trump addressed Congress. He didn't scream at anybody or fart on camera. And people just took it as, oh, look at that. He's become presidential. <laughs> well, that was, I mean, we'll touch more on this uh, later in the show. But I mean, people did say it was, uh, it was Trump's most presidential speech, which is not the most hotly contested title. I mean, that's roughly akin to being the politest belch at a funeral or the yeah. m- most dignified cavity search or the sexiest <laughs> roadkill badger corpse. Or the closest to a real word a baby said. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, no, that sounds, it sounds like they said donkey. It, look, it, just say it again. Say, uh, <laughs> look, it sounds like donkey. Well, look, it's, the baby's almost saying two-syllable words. <laughs> Can't do anything else but bunging. <laughs> no. Well, you should be, you know, properly house trained within a couple of years. Be all right. In 18 years, Donald Trump will finally be the man America needs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Bugle 4019 for the week beginning Monday, the 6th of March 2017. 148 years since Russian science star Dmitry Mendeleev presented the first version of his periodic table of the elements. Bloody scientists, complicating things for everyone. Before that, it used to be earth, air, fire, water, other stuff, vegetables and dogs. Uh, And also, happy birthday to Michelangelo, 542 years old today, uh, on Monday. And uh, to celebrate, at the end of this week's episode, we will delve into the Bugle archives, way back to Bugle 34, when we commemorated the 500th anniversary of Mikey landing the Sistine Chapel ceiling gig. As always, a section of the Bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, uh, Lent. Uh, It's Lent now, the Christian festival of giving stuff up. Uh, We look at the origin of Lent, of course, when Jesus gave up doing uh, magic loop-the-loops on his donkey after uh, the animal named Trixie Bell vomited on an ill ill child while 15 foot off the ground and upside down. Uh, Jesus did one of his cheeky little abracadabras on the donkey chunder to miracle the kid back to health, but the uh, puke-splattered boy's parents did suggest that the storytelling stand-up and former carpenter could have saved everyone a lot of trauma just by doing the standard laying-on-of-hands type miracle on their ill lad. Jesus apologised and laid off the donkey tricks until Easter. Easter, of course, very different festival in those days, mostly commemorating when the prophet Bernard returned from Mount Sinai with a chocolate egg and demanded two days off work. And uh, we look at what the celebs are giving up for Lent this year. George Clooney is giving up cauliflower. Susan Sarandon is uh, giving up swearing when losing at darts. Uh, the Canadian rock sensation 
Carly Rae Jepsen. She's giving up short-selling vulnerable currencies on the international money markets. Whilst uh, star quarterback Tom Brady, he's giving up projecting a Batman-style image of himself doing a loser sign on his head over the skies of Atlanta for the next month. And uh, David Cameron, former Prime Minister, he's giving up, uh, or at least trying to give up, uh, waking up in tears screaming, what have I done? Whilst Her Majesty the Queen is giving up tattoos uh, for Lint. I mean, she's pretty much uh, she's pretty much covered up everything below the le- neckline now. And uh, Steve Bannon, your uh, your equivalent of our Queen White, yes. Steve Bannon is uh, giving up communing with Satan on an hourly basis. <laughs> he is going to cut down to a single longer morning session, plus an afternoon top up and maybe a Snapchat. <laughs> Can you Snapchat the devil? What is this world coming to? Yeah. Oh. Also in the bin to commemorate the first ever gay Disney character. Uh, coming soon in uh, Beauty and the Beast. We speak exclusively to the editor of Christian Looney incorporating today's Homophobe Weekly magazine. Can't believe those two titles had to merge. You'd still think there's a market for both, and I guess the readership does cross over. And we ask, does this mean it's okay for Tom and Jerry to have sex? That section also in the bin. Andy, the top story... This week, as with every week, (laughs) until we all die or he kills us, Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump, depending on who you ask, gave the State of the Union or just an address to Congress uh, this week where he took a tone that people seem to suggest was uh, normal for a human. Abnormal for him. Right. Uh, he had, he addressed Congress. It was uh, he he didn't yell at anybody. He didn't spit too much. Right. Huge deal in this country. <laughs> Huge deal that our president seemed more like a president and less like a dictator. A baby step towards civilization. Mm, I mean, he still did. He still did make weird gestures at people. If you just listened to him. It sounds kind of rational and reasonable, but if you watch him, he still does like make weird gestures at people and I don't know, it's I don't feel like we're any closer to a finding a way to not have to apologize to every country when we call them. I feel like so much of the Donald Trump presidency now is he says something and then we as a society, have to pick which American is going to call that country <laughs> and say, hey, we're sorry. Have you had a go yet? Have, have, you, have you been the American picked for any apology calls? Yeah, I had to call Kuala Lumpur. <laughs> right. It was just, uh, they're really mad. He hasn't even said anything that inflammatory towards them, and that's part of the problem. Well, right. They're, they're kind of like, hey, we matter, and... <laughs> It's like, yeah, but we're from a country where all countries matter. Right. Uh, so, you know, sorry, Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. Um, the one interesting thing, though, about Trump being seen as a reasonable president now is that it's opened the door for other people to think they could be president, uh, specifically billionaires. <laughs> There are a lot of billionaires now who are considering running for president. Most recently, Disney CEO Bob Iger has said that he would be interested in running for president and has said that people around him, and I quote, 
a lot of people, a lot, have urged me to seek political office. Which, yeah, if you're a billionaire, people will tell you anything <laughs> as long as you maybe give them money. Like, oh yeah, no, that's a great toupee. Yeah, that's totally a great toupee. <laughs> Seriously, don't cut me off. Bob Iger, Oprah Winfrey, and Mark Cuban, all billionaires, all apparently flirting with the idea of running for president. Well, I mean, I've, I've, lo I've looked into this. Uh, I mean, Oprah Winfrey, there's rumors that she could be running on a kind of dream team with Montel Williams as Secretary of State and Ricky Lake as uh, Defense Secretary in a talk show host-dominated cabinet. I mean, when you think about it, politics is all about communication, Wyatt. And uh, are you telling me that Oprah as president could not get Vladimir Putin to break down in tears on the Oval Office sofa while talking about his daddy didn't really love him? I mean, th this... Surely this has to work for America. That's No, that's an Oprah presidency could be an interesting presidency. I feel like a Bob Iger presidency, what he does have to offer is he owns Mickey Mouse and the Avengers. So it feels like, obviously, uh, Mickey Mouse, Secretary of State, will just replace the whole Secretary of Defense with the cast of the Avengers, <laughs> which... I don't know. I don't know about you, but that's a confirmation hearing. I think I'd love to see <laughs> Just Chris Hemsworth in his weird Thor costume, <laughs> and we realize that Mjolnir doesn't look the same in a congressional hearing as it does in the movies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. See the scales falling from America's eyes when that happens. Uh, I mean, I can see a Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse dream ticket again. Uh, I mean, there's nothing in the Constitution explicitly excluding fictitious cartoon mice from holding high office. Uh, I mean, people say, well, fictitious cartoon mice did not exist when they were hammering the Constitution together in the late 18th century, to which I guess the response would, would be, neither did semi-automatic weapons. And as the old saying goes, what's good for the Second Amendment goose is good for the cartoon mouse presidency bid gander. So um, I'd like to... Uh, Mickey, <laughs> globally recognised brand, uh, property around the globe... Uh, does not speak in complicated grown-up sentences. It would basically be a seamless transition from Trump to Mickey Mouse. I mean, and t can you tell me that a Mickey, a literal Mickey Mouse presidency, would be more divisive than what we have now? Surely this is a this must be a step forward. I think it's a step forward. It's also a step forward for Mickey Mouse to get to reclaim what a Mickey Mouse presidency is all about. <laughs> I think good for good for him if he gets that opportunity. I think it really does also open the question of if billionaires and millionaires can start running for office and it's a viable path, there's so many more rich people who I feel like would be interesting people to run for office. I think, you know, you've got Mark Cuban has considered it, which I feel like part of his platform could be as the owner of the Dallas Mavericks if he's elected. He might choose one citizen a month to join the starting lineup of the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> a vote for Mark Cuban means you get to start at center for the Mavericks for one game. Right. Doesn't matter if you're not seven feet tall. He'll just throw you in. He's president. It's an executive order. I think uh, LeBron James, there's a dream ticket of LeBron James and just the mascot of the Cleveland Cavaliers which I'm not sure what exactly the mascot is. Their logo is a sword, but I've never seen a dancing sword on the sideline. Right. Um, <laughs> I think that's what the ISIS football team has. 
<laughs> it's a dancing sword. It's it's tough. You don't want courtside seats for those games because that sword will cut you. I mean, some other options. Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned Mark uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the grand uh, grand high nerd of computer land, uh, Caesar of. Oh sure, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, he could fulfill the prophecy of America's top-ranked Messiah, Jesus Christ, that the dweebs shall inherit the earth. Uh, you've got Pete James <laughs> Debney, the chief executive of gun manufacturer Smith & Wesson. Surely this will be popular with the, uh, you know, the gun lobby. Very influential in American politics. Just have the boss of Smith & Wesson as you're laying the Second Amendment cards fully on the table. Uh, Snapchat's Ivan Spiegel in the news this week. Managed to make billions out of disappearing photos of people's sandwiches. The guy is clearly a f***ing genius, Wyatt. You need to get that. If you could make billions out of disappearing photos, you could make America the greatest country in the history of America. Uh, He could make all Americans billionaires with his rumoured new venture, uh, Air There, where people just point at the air they're about to breathe. Launched 45 seconds ago, this business. Already worth $21.7 on NASDAQ. Um, Uber boss Travis Kalanick, he's got to be a candidate. Uh, also known in France as Jola, definitely not a taxi. Um, that's a little reference <laughs> to, uh, to a song from my childhood. Do you remember that song, Chris? Yeah, it was by uh, Vanessa Paradis. Are you aware of this song, Wyatt? Jo- Jola Taxi. No. Right. But I'm aware of Vanessa Paradis. Yeah, she was Mrs. Johnny Depp. Yeah, well, she, she sang a song called Jola Taxi in what well, must have been late 80s, early 90s. Um, one of the great great musical tracks anyway that, I believe that's it yeah. that track's first uh, uh, ever reference on the bugle <laughs> historic uh, but Kalanick seems to be positioning himself for a presidential bid uh, after being caught on film behaving like a dick and presiding over a culture of endemic sexual, sexual harassment I mean these are canny politics riding on the Trump coattails yeah that sets him right up he could Uber his way right to the White House Uber take over Air Force One I mean that's that is exciting Ooh. for everyone isn't it Instead of Air Force One, you just it's just oh, okay. I need to get to I need to get to London. Uh, we're just going to take this Delta flight, kick everybody off of it, and it's Air Force One today. But it also doesn't mean that you could just be trying to get a taxi home, and Air Force One happens to be in the area, and you end up Ubering. It. Oh, that's an even if you Uber pool, you could Uber pool your way into an Air Force One flight. I like that. Elon Musk. Uh, sadly, sadly in, ineligible due to being uh, not born in the USA under the Springsteen Amendment of the US Constitution and uh, also clearly being even more fictitious than Mickey Mouse. Uh, but his big rival, uh, P. Lau Snork, who as we reported on the Bugle last week was about to launch the uh, riderless motorbike, um, he could be in the running. Uh, the riderless motorbike already superseded in his plans by his new drone chef operation. Those are flying micro-kitchens that prepare you a hot three-course meal uh, whilst flying to your place of work then hover outside your office window and fire it course by course directly into your open mouth from a military-caliber gun, enabling you to enjoy Michelin-quality slap-up lunch whilst never leaving your desk. Um, Snork is the CEO of a number of uh, high-high tech-tech companies, including uh, Frankensteinies. Uh, Now, Frankensteinies is a company that's aiming to make terrifying monster children in a laboratory for today's hyper-competitive parents. Uh, Fluxedo. Uh, they make um, hyper-astrotech, uh, infinite-g-enabled, uh, functionalistically mutatable formal dinner jackets, uh, Fluxedo. They can transform to any colour you want, depending on your move and conversational topic, as well as playing videos on the chest pocket and have all your social media f- feeds down either arm to help you charm your dinner companions. Also has the capacity to hack into the person sitting next to you's social media so you can be fed real-time info on their hobbies, interests, 
and romantic status to help you pull off the perfect black tie seduction. Uh, Fluxedos are available, actually, to Bugle listeners at a special reduced rate of just $3.49 million. Just input the code BUGLESNORK on the Fluxedo website for your 900% discount. And also, uh, he's just launched Invincible, the new high-tech testicles that enable men to never lose at sport. So uh, he's got to be in the running, despite being clearly made up. <laughs> in t- <laughs> it's been a long week, Wyatt. I believed he was real. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just don't know these. Maybe he is. Maybe, maybe I just you just can't tell anymore. You just you just cannot tell. There are a couple of other things from uh, from Trump's non-state of the nation speech. He said the time for trivial fights is over, um, which is interesting coming from the man who basically declared trivial war on the world and has been the principal uh, aggressor in a conflict with no winners. And he's calling for a bullshit armistice. This is a bit of a surprise. I mean, it does remain to be seen whether this was a genuine uh, uh, genuine turning point in the Trumpian presidency, uh, just managing to speak in a non-soul-chilling way. I mean, the problem is, Trump is not so much the boy who cried wolf as the boy who did a wolf-shaped shit on America's dinner plate and then blamed a journalist <laughs> for not writing about his Michelin-starred cooking. <laughs> also, this is another interesting development. At midnight on the 24th of February, Wyatt, um, followers of witchcraft across America apparently performed a mass spell designed to remove Donald Trump from office. It appears, and we are, as we record, what, a week or so on from that, it appears not to have worked. I don't know if they put a within eight years clause into their spell. But... Uh, I do worry. Too. I'm no Trump fan, as I th- I've laid my Trump cards on the table over the last few months. But I do worry. What? What if this works? What? I mean, is this going to become the future of politics, witchcraft, and spells? I mean, I think that's what you open yourself up for. You decide what kind of country do we want to be. Do we want to be a country that is seen as isolationist, or do we want to be a country that? is ruled by witches, warlocks, and dragons. Hard to tell the difference sometimes, isn't it? It's a little bit, yeah. No, it's it's definitely, I mean, if you look at if you look at Trump's cabinet, they do seem a lot, they seem kind of warlocky. <laughs> and if Trump himself were to like grow 20 feet tall and his skin were to peel away, I'd imagine there's a dragon underneath there. <laughs> So, yeah, it is a little it's a it's a touch and go thing. I mean, I think the other the other part of this is if witches start casting spells, a what took them so long? Why just do it now? Why? Why did you wait this long? Why not do this earlier? I feel like, again, in the idea of Donald Trump trying to make America great. Maybe this is what finally put the fire under those witches asses. (laughs) And by the fire, and I realize that's maybe an offensive term for witches, just given how many were burned at the stake. So <laughs> maybe not the best term to use. I apologize to any witches who were offended. Uh, but it just feels like, you know, maybe it was time for them to start holding up their end of the bargain a long time ago. They've been around since Salem. And... Now they want to start working. (laughs) This is the problem in this country. Lazy witches. (laughs) The other big Trump story this week uh, is around uh, Attorney General 
Jeff Sessions, who I object to just from a name point of view. That is not a serious enough name to be Attorney General. It sounds like a set of bootleg jazz recordings by Miles Davis, where he tootled along in the background while his mate Jeff sat in a van with the window down explaining how to plumb in a new toilet. The Jeff Sessions. Um, oh, sure. I, I love the Jeff Sessions. Great album. It's, it's one of Blue Note's more uh, underrated, underrated albums. Yeah. Jeff's just in the background having a horrible heroin trip. <laughs> <laughs> I've not entirely followed the the, uh, the Sessions Russia uh, conversation story. It does appear that he did speak twice with the Russian ambassador to the US, Sergei Kizilyak, but is now claiming on the first occasion they spoke only about their favourite character in Power Rangers, and <laughs> on the second just exchanged recipes for Victoria sponge cake. Um, Sessions told a congressional inquiry. We're both avid fans of the Great British Bake Off, and sharing cake recipes has helped Sergei and I overcome deep psychological cake traumas. Sergei, of course, grew up in Soviet Russia, where his uncle, Yevgeny Yegev, was one of 12 Soviet cake monauts killed when a special birthday space rocket made of cake disintegrated shortly after launch on Nikita Khrushchev's birthday in 1964. Whilst I personally have been afraid of cakes ever since I had a dream about being sworn at by a life-sized Dayton walnut cake during a Senate meeting. So uh, Sessions said that other than that, they didn't talk about politics, just uh, mostly girls, beer and baseball. So, uh, so it's probably fine. Totally fine. Not, not weird at all. It's really who in Trump's world has not talked to Russians. Andy, you're a man who likes to fly, yes? Hell yeah. I, I live to fly. And I assume your favorite thing when you fly is drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, if I come off a flight, however long or short, not too drunk to remember where I've flown from, then I have not really flown. Well, one of the biggest problems with drinking when you're flying is that beer doesn't taste as good when you're 30,000 feet up in the air. And thankfully, there are people working to solve that problem. To make sure that you get drunk the best possible way. Uh, there is a, an airline carrier in Hong Kong that has spent countless time and money making a beer that tastes good when you're 30,000 feet in the air. Because if there's one thing that you, that you want to happen when you become an obnoxious asshole on a f- seven-hour flight across country... It's you want to do it, but you still want to do it where you've enjoyed what you've had to drink. You don't just want to become an asshole with a tart beer. (laughs) You want a tasty one as you start trying to play grab ass with a flight attendant and start screaming at the person next to you for their political beliefs. (laughs) Um, It's not, I mean, it's interesting this idea that, you know, different alcohols taste different at 30,000 feet. It's not something I'd. And food as well. Um, apparently airlines already addressed this. Uh, I mean, because they've evidently decided that what you need at 30,000 feet is a meal artistically designed to express the absolute essence of mild disappointment, um, which at 30,000 feet apparently is as tasty and tempting as a ground-level, perfectly grilled 12-ounce T-bone, or for our vegetarian listeners, a 12-ounce aubergine. The, uh, I mean, this is a critical piece of science, White. I mean... We rely on science for human advancement, and to have developed a beer that tastes better at 30,000 feet just shows, I'd say this is up there with the moon landings, in showing what potential we have as a species. They did not develop this beer because it was easy. They developed this beer because they want 
people to get pissed on their aeroplanes. Uh, also, Bloody Marys uh, apparently taste better. Uh, they taste better naturally at high altitude, um, according to um, now this is according to a professor of experimental psychology at Oxford University, <laughs> who presumably is quite a smart guy. Uh, I mean, this is an absolutely critical piece of science. Uh, the reason for this is the background noise on planes, apparently, and this professor has come up with this theory that uh, background noise on an aeroplane raises an ancestral fear of being chased by a predator. <laughs> and that, that prompts dollops of saliva to develop in your mouth, meaning that these kind of these sharp umami flavours are even tastier. Um, and the background noise of, a, of, an, of an aeroplane basically makes you want to hanker after Japanese food. I mean, I imagine there were you know hundreds of thousands of cavemen saying to each other, look out, Ugh, there's a flock of T-Rexes right over there heading our way. Good spot. Ugh. I'll call in a takeaway from Chiona Fuji. Looks like the lizards are peckish. I'll make it a big one. How long do you think it'll take them to deliver? I don't know, about 50,000 years. Oh, shouldn't those dinosaurs have died out by now? Yeah, that's why they look so cross. OK, I'll order some extra teriyaki. So, I mean, also, another thing, how tastes change at high altitude, uh, White House Down is a 156% better film when watched on an aeroplane <laughs> with nothing else to do. Whereas when watched terrestrially, it can provoke intense feelings of the pointlessness of life. It definitely sets us up for a future where uh, we can just move people into hot air balloon houses like in Up and just create more real estate for ourselves. And those people who want to live up there, yeah, they're people who they like White House Down, they, they like weird beer... <laughs> And that's 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 the new world that will exist if Trump and everything that's going on in the world is too much for some people. They can just get themselves a hot air balloon house and live thirty thousand feet above everything. <laughs> Watching Channing Tatum in a t-shirt and eating yeah eating spicy Japanese food. We can build a new utopia, Wyatt. However dark things seem now, there's always hope around the corner. Also on the beer in, uh, in flights story, uh, the new Hipster Air airline, the long-haul specialist, uh, has just opened up. They're flying uh, 16 times a day between Shoreditch in London and Portland, Oregon. Um, and they are the first airline to have an in-cabin microbrewery brewing a fair trade ethy beer that, for each pint drunk, saves an endangered breed of pigeon in the Amazon rainforest. So it's, uh, it's all happening in that sector of the world. No pilot, because they actually had to turn the cockpit into the microbrewery. <laughs> the plane flies on potential. <laughs> That's very much how the American economy is flying at the moment, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Potential and a real lot of uh, just scared teeth chattering. Which that noise, with that noise in the background, that changes the way that beer tastes as well. <laughs> Bugle feature section now and sleep. Uh, we've all done it. Let's admit it. We've we've all done it. It's nothing to be ashamed of in this day and age. Um, and I'm, you know, even I'm talking to you, New York, uh, the city that never sleeps and is therefore permanently cranky, completely dependent on coffee and almost totally divorced from reality. Uh, We're so tired. <laughs> it is National Bed Month here in Britain, Wyatt. A Nash, I mean, uh, that basically means we have to spend the entire month of March in bed. It's coming a good time uh, when <laughs> at least 48% of the population are feeling like hibernating for the foreseeable future. 
Uh, and there's World Sleep Day due up on the 17th of March. Um, put yourself in for a 24-hour power nap a week next Friday. Now, um... Wait, that's the day after St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good spot. So, yeah. World Sleep It Off Day, then. <laughs> yeah. I think they... I think that's some, that's some really good scheduling right there. It's, uh, it's becoming an increasingly prominent medical concern, sleep. And I speak of someone with a frankly, borderline, slow-acting suicide of a sleeping pattern. Um, but, the, I mean, the health implications of bad sleeping are something I try to avoid thinking about on an almost daily basis, usually at around 3.30am when I'm looking up cricket statistics or working out how I can make the words golden retriever into a pun. But here's a list of things that can go wrong, apparently, Wyatt, if you do not sleep enough. Uh, obesity, diabetes... Heart disease, strokes, uh, you have problems with your muscle and tissue health, mental problems, your immune system can go haywire, uh, and you can have problems with your your, your, um, your, your jungle splats, which could turn your libido into, libi- into a libidont. Um, and basically pretty much your entire body can stop functioning properly if you don't get enough. Now, are you, are you a sleep fan? Do you tend to like, get your regular eight hours a day? Well, that's two different questions. Am I a sleep fan? Yes. I like to go and look in people's windows and cheer them on as they sleep. sleep. <laughs> I'm a big sleep fan. I'll go, I'll go to hotels and pretend that I'm staying in room 721 so I can get a key card. I'll go in room 721, I'll sit in the closet, and I'll wait for you to go to sleep. <laughs> and I'll just, root, I'll just root by. I got pom-poms, and I'm like, go, go. Go, sleep, sleep, sleep. You're doing it. You're doing it. Yay! And then I hope to leave before you wake up. <laughs> That's quite a t- So, big sleep fan. Quite a tough thing to cheerlead, isn't it? Sleep. Because, you know, you want to be enthusiastic, but there's something you don't want to wake people up. But I, I recognize just how important it is for people to have a good night's sleep. And so, I don't get a full eight hours, in part, because I'm cheering other people on. Um, there are a number of things you can apparently do to improve your sleep. Uh, I was reading a list of advice. Uh, switch off your phones, tablets, and screens, um, and uh, take them. In fact, take them completely out of your bedroom. I mean, this is. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you expect your mother to tell you, not sleep scientists. Uh, a warm or uh, a warm bath or shower uh, can help you relax. I mean, relaxing. That's pretty twentieth century. We don't have time to relax these days. We're too busy. You've got to make sure your room no. is tidy. Mum, come on. Um, and breathing exercises, uh, light yoga stretches or meditation uh, can help. Um, yeah, I will just pop my yoga instructor and a Maharishi on the end of my bed. I'm sure the wife will be absolutely delighted. Um, and also suggest make if your mind is racing to keep you awake, uh, you can make to-do lists to clear it. Uh, but that's a problem if the first thing on your to-do list is get more sleep. That is really just going to emphasise the fact that you're failing with your to-do list and your actual sleep. Uh, also, noise and light can wake you up. Um, noise and light, coincidentally, the uh, nicknames I have for my children. Uh, and they certainly can, can wake you up. Oh, that's sweet. Which one's noise and which one's light? That's, I cannot possibly divulge in case at some point in their future lives they listen to this. <laughs> They're not going to listen. <laughs> no, they'll be watching John Oliver's videos on YouTube. <laughs> Apparently an extra hour average sleep a night in the long run correlates to a 16% increase in wages, uh, which means that the average chief executive of a London hedge fund sleeps for, I'll just do the maths, 
7,650 hours a day. <laughs> well, that is uh, all we have time for on this week's Bugle. We are once again about to be turfed out of the studio, um, so your emails will wait again. Anyway, we'll keep them coming in to hellobuglers at thebuglepodcast.com. Maybe we can get the next podcast to to answer the emails. Just leave them for the next podcast. Right, okay, we'll do that. I don't know what, what is coming in here. Um, maybe it's local traffic news, but they could deal with... Sunday Bugle. Night Music Club. The Sunday Night Music Club. I'm sure they'd love to on hear. absolute radio. <laughs> 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 they can deal with uh, people complaining about the inaccuracy in my cryptic crossword clue a few weeks ago. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening, uh, listening Buglers. Uh, don't forget, uh, my... UK tour show in Nottingham has been rearranged for Thursday the 9th. My Melbourne festival show starts uh, at the end of March. I'm also doing uh, some dates in Sydney uh, towards the end of April and Auckland and Wellington, uh, end of April, beginning of May. All details on the internet. Uh, Wyatt and Ak, thanks once again for joining us on The Bugle. We'll be back next week when it will be Helen Zaltzman in The Bugle chair once again. Until then, Buglers, goodbye. Goodbye. The Bugle loves being a part of Radiotopia. They, and therefore we, are better thanks to support from the Knight Foundation and MailChimp. High fives all round. Give one to yourself as well. Five hundred years ago this year... Michelangelo, or as he was known by his friends, Mickey Paintbrush, was commissioned to do a little bit of decorating for the Pope. He got his nickname, of course, not because of his artistic skills, but because he had tough, bristly, straight hair, which, when he was drunk, he would dip in a vat of paint and headbutt cartoon testicles into the sides of churches. Anyway, the story goes that Julius II asked Mickey Paintbrush, ''Can you whack a lick of paint on the ceiling in my chapel? It could do with a bit of sprucing up.'' Sure, Papa Jay, replied Michelangelo. What do you want? How about a bit of a fresco? Uh, sure, why not, replied the pontiff. Great, yipped the young artist. I was thinking of doing something with some dogs playing snooker. Uh, right, Mickey P, said the Pope awkwardly. It's just, uh, I was just kind of hoping for something a little bit more kind of neutral. Maybe just, you know, just a plain off-white magnolia colour. You know, Mick, something that isn't going to go out of date. Right-o, skipper, replied Michelangelo, a little downcast. Hey, do you mind if I do a couple of little bits from the Bible in the corner? No, all right, conceded the Pope, but just nothing too flash, little Mickey. Yay! yelped the 33-year-old five-time winner of the Golden Chisel Award for terrific sculpture. I'll go and get my special scaffold. Four years later, an angry Pope banged on the door of the Sistine Chapel with his big staff. Have you finished yet, paintbrush? he shouted. Yep, all done, big man. The pontiff stormed in, hat akimbo. What the f*** have you done to my ceiling, you flash Sorry, Pop, said the artist. I just got a bit carried away. Oh, balls, winced the Vatican vicar. Bloody hell, Mickey, what is your obsession with naked cocks? <laughs> Shit, I've got a christening to do in 20 minutes. This is going to have to do. OK, boss. Sorry, boss, mumbled the four-in-one painter, sculptor, architect and chicken impersonator. You haven't heard the last of this, Buonarotti, blasted the Catholic kahuna. <laughs> Give me that paintbrush. That's confiscated. Pope Julius turned to go to his dressing room. Just then, something on the ceiling caught his eye. Hang on, that looks like... No, it can't be. Is that my wang? (laughs) Mickey Paintbrush, have you painted my papal prong on that nudie man? Come here! Come here, you little... Oh, no, he's got away. I knew I should have got Da Vinci to do this. Knew it! So, to commemorate half a millennium, since this historic moment in the history of history, we present to you... (laughs) 
the bugle Italian section. Andy, that has to become a regular feature. <laughs> Historical story time. <laughs> Misinform your children with Andy's ultimate. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now. <laughs>